Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. Have you ever spoken with somebody about life after death and felt that maybe you were going against what you were taught about in your religion or church? Well, I grew up Catholic, and when it came time for me to present my book to the world, I was so fearful. What would people think? Especially being Catholic, um, now talking about life after death and the paranormal. Well, today I have a beautiful guest, and she is somebody who I feel can bridge the gap to all of us and really talk about having our faith and believing in the paranormal. Her name is Mary Grace, who is both a member of the Catholic Church and the International Association of Near-Death Studies. She is a retired mental health professional and now a parapsychologist and a spirit counselor. She's the author of the book, and I have to tell you, I love, love, love her title of her book. It's called The Communion of Saints, Talking to God and Grandma. There's so much more to this fascinating lady, but I'm going to have her tell you a little bit more about herself. So welcome to We Don't Die Radio, Mary Grace. Hello. Hi, Sandra. I'm so excited to be speaking with you today, and I can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity to share my passion for the paranormal. Yeah, it's my passion as well, and so you're welcome. And I know you're in um, New York right now with a snowfall, and I'm in Massachusetts on a bitter cold winter day, and I think um, there's no place I'd rather be than chatting with you. And also to our listener, you could be many different places right now, so wherever you find yourself, thank you for taking the time to tune in. So both Mary Grace and I are committed that this is a show today that makes a difference in your life, inspires you, maybe even gives you a few goosebumps, but uh, it can really help you with your life right now. So let's have Mary Grace do a little bit more of the talking. Um, Mary, tell us about yourself. I mean, it's it's uh, a mouthful, everything that I said, but I, I know we've talked before and you're really a neat lady. Uh, well, I, um, as you said, I was in retired mental health as a mental health professional for 25 years. And um got into, after my supernatural experiences, delved more into my um, kind of passion for the paranormal, as I said, um, and took coursework in, actually in college, in parapsychology. So I really delved into it in there. And But that was rather dormant as I was following my college years until I had my experiences uh, after death communication with my mom and other supernatural experiences. I went to uh, State University of New York at Geneseo College in upstate mm-hmm. New York. And um, I live um, very much in the country. I live on a 6,600-acre state forest. Oh, my. So that's my backyard. I'm in the Finger Lakes, the beautiful Finger yep. Lakes area south of Rochester, New York. Beautiful there. And I had not heard the term before, parapsychologist. Can you talk about what that means? Sure. Um, I'm a parapsychologist, and I have a model that says, if it's not normal, it's for me. (laughs) You're funny. Okay. I also tell people it's very normal to have a paranormal experience. So um, what what parapsychology is, is it's the study of phenomena outside or beyond 
the normal paradigms of science. Okay. Now, that prefix para and parapsychology simply means beyond. Therefore, um, the events that parapsychologists study are considered beyond normal or what we call paranormal. So that's where that word paranormal comes oh, from. Oh, beyond. Okay. So, parapsychology is also the science of spiritualism or spirit communication. Uh-huh. Um, which is now spiritualism is the foundation of all major religions. Now, I have to clarify the definition of a religion is a belief in a supernatural or non-physical being and how one lives their life in accordance with this belief. So if you're going to have a belief in a non-physical being, whether it's a god or saints or angels, there's going to be communion or communication with this non-physical being. Therefore, spiritualism is the foundation of all major religions. And in the Catholic Church, um, we practice spiritualism or spirit communication uh, under the doctrine known as the communion of saints. Right. They don't call it spiritualism, but <laughs> in my research, I found that it's basically the same thing. So it, it's my goal um, to educate people on how to maintain relationships with loved ones in heaven and to remove the stigma attached to spiritualism in association with communicating with our loved ones that have passed on, um, which is which is condemned by a lot of major religions, not just Christianity, but there's a lot of faith that that has that stigma on communicating with our loved ones. So I feel like it's my job to take the woo-woo out of spirit communication and the paranormal in general. Yeah. And this can be done parapsychology. I love it. And it, it and it's just like I just I, I mean really truly have had fear talking to some people because if they're super religious and I tell them the title of my book, We Don't Die, you know, the first thing that many people ask is, Well, are you Christian? You know, and I feel like I have to defend myself and then sometimes if somebody's got a book in their hand and I actually talk about talking to the deceased as my listeners know but it's like what are people going to judge me about like oh you're not supposed to do that and it, it's never made sense to me why a religion would think you can't talk to your deceased loved ones yet you can pray to jesus and the saints like it, i never got that you know so well, that was exactly my uh position after i had my experiences it was like I guess the, my burning question was, if we can talk to God and the saints in heaven, why can't we talk to Grandma in heaven? Yeah. Or our sister or Uncle Joe or our brothers or sisters. So what's up with that? Right. It didn't make And so I spent, you know, the book was 10 years in the making, but with seven years of research and writing to delve into just answering that very question. You know, what? why was spiritualism banned? What is wrong with it? And, um, you know, I found out that there's a huge contradiction in church teachings because on the one hand, we're taught to pray to the saints and God in heaven. And the other hand, we're told that we're not supposed to talk with them. So uh, that's what I that's what I address in the book. And and mainly I, there's there's three three points I like to, to make in the book and my objective is to teach that anyone can communicate with spirits because we all have a sixth sense or psychic ability, which we use all the time. A lot of times people use it subconsciously. Mm -hmm. 
But secondly, I want to teach not only how to stay connected to family and friends and spirit, but the importance of doing so, because this is where healing takes place. Healing when we're grieving the loss of a loved one. Oh, yes. And thirdly, my main objective is to teach that spiritualism or spirit communication is not an evil force of the devil, but a natural God-given gift that can be better understood through the science of parapsychology. Excellent. You're very refreshing just to be listening to. Um, so just going back a little bit to your heritage, did you grow up Catholic? And uh, like me, I went to Catholic school and church on Sundays. And um, did you grow up in religion? Oh, yes. I was was born and raised in Catholic church on every Sunday. My mom was the parents were a devout Catholic. In fact, I, you know, I thank them for giving me my faith foundation because I just, I don't know what I would, would do without that. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it was, I guess, you know, when you grow up and become adult and you start, well, even as a child, I started questioning a lot of the things of the faith. But I think that was the strong thing. It's, it's the faith that's important. It's not the religion, it's not the creeds, the rules and regulations, it's having a faith in a higher being mm-hmm. that really connects us all. And faith is great, and I do know that you have another reason besides faith that you believe in life after death, correct? Yeah. Do you want to share um, what happened and when and... Um, because the title of the show is We Don't Die Radio, and so it's it's always nice to start off with why it is that you believe, like what what's happened to you or what have you experienced? Well, I had two, um, you know, what you call spiritually transformative experiences, but the first real wake-up call I had um, that set me on the spiritual path was an after-death visitation from my mom. Ah. So I want to tell you a little story yep. and what happened there. So two months after my mom died, she came to visit me. And this was in April of year 2000. And what happened was this. She came in what is known as a dream visit, or it's also called a visitation. And what happened was one night while my body was sleeping, I I was asleep in my cozy bed and I thought I was dreaming. Mm-hmm. At least it felt that way. And in this dreamlike state, I found myself back in my old bedroom in the home I grew up in. And as I stood there, I noticed that I was surrounded by all these boxes. And I understood that these boxes um, had all my mother's belongings in them, and they'd all been packed up because it was after her funeral. And as I'm standing in my old bedroom, suddenly I see a woman who looks like my mother. She bent down and reached into one of the boxes, and she pulled out two lit candles, a white one, and a blue one. Uh-huh. And she handed me the candles. And I took the candles and I turned to set them on the dresser. And once I took the candles, I thought to myself, 
how odd to have lit candles packed in a box, right? <laughs> and as I turned to set them on the dresser, I thought to myself, well, that can't be my mom because she had passed away. So it must be an illusion. I'll just blink my eyes a couple times, and when I turn around, she'll be gone. Uh-huh. So that's what I did, and I turned around, and there my mother remained. And I looked at her in surprise, and I said, Mom, it can't be you. You're dead. And, but as soon as I said those words, I knew, in fact, she was very much alive because she looked so young Mm -hmm. and healthy and not at all the way she looked when she died from cancer. Right. And then the next thing, before she could even respond, the next thing I said to her is, the next thing I did is I scolded her. I said to her, Mom, where have you been? I've been waiting and waiting to get a sign from you. And with that, she just had this big, beautiful smile and said, I'm here for you now, Mary. And with that, I just threw my arms around her, and she just gave me the biggest hug, and we were holding each other so tightly. And the next thing I knew, I was sitting in her lap, and she was rocking me. So somehow we were in a rocking chair, and I don't know what else was there, if it was like suspended in space or, or what was around me. I just knew that I was in my mother's lap. She was holding me and rocking me, and she started stroking my hair and said over and over again, everything's going to be all right. Everything is to be all right. And as she held me, I started having tears come down my eyes. I'm crying. I had tears of relief and tears of grief. And in hindsight, I thought, later, I thought to myself, how odd for a 40-year-old woman at that time to be sitting in her mother's lap, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. But at that time in my life, I felt more like a four-year-old little girl who needed her mother. And she was there to comfort me and console me from beyond the grave. And as she comforted me, and I was sitting there rocking with her, and she was telling me everything was going to be all right, and I just knew it was. And then I just started, like I said, my I'm crying. I, I started sobbing. And I could feel, you know, feel her body, feel her touch her, and she's very solid and very real. But then I started sobbing very loudly, and the next thing I know, I woke up in my bed, and I woke my husband up, who was next to me. And he said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I said, it's mom. It's mom. She's alive. She's alive. Oh, my God. Mom is not dead. Now, it's one thing being raised, believing 
and eternal life and right. life after death. It's quite another thing to encounter it because that day I made a vow to do whatever it would take to stay in touch with my mother because I thought if she could take the time to somehow communicate with me, then I could learn how to keep that relationship alive because I knew, I knew she was still a part of my life. So I just started learning. I just went to the bookstore and got all kinds of books on, you know, The Idiot's Guide to Spirit Communication. And yeah, I've got like, that same book. <laughs> I probably read that on your website. And all these guys on how to meditate. And, and all, the, all the books said the same thing. They said, meditate, meditate, meditate. Mm-hmm. I started taking up meditation. And, it, you know, I was doing one of these guided meditations in the back of this book by, I think it was James Van Pryce. And, you know, I got in my, my comfortable lotus position in meditative state. I got the music on and everything. And after months of meditating, one day I just, um, I was able to get connected with my mom, you know, kind of visualize the scene in the garden. And then she came, and when I saw her, this was the second time, again, it was the same reaction. It was like, oh, mom and I, you know, we just held each other. We didn't really say anything, didn't need to. I started crying. I came out of my meditation, and it was like, wow, I did it. And it was, only this time I wasn't sleeping. I was conscious, and I was in control. And I was able to visit her, and I thought, wow, that wasn't really that hard. In fact, I thought it was a lot easier to learn how to communicate with spirits than it is to learn a foreign language like French or Spanish, you know. Because really, that's our first language is telepathy. Yeah. What a nice way of putting that. Yeah. So we all have the ability um, to communicate with our loved ones. It's not that hard. Um, What's hard is taking the time to meditate and quiet our mind and listen. I know a lot of people tell me, oh, I talk to my, you know, my mother or my brother all the time, but he never talks back. I never get any messages from him. I'm like, well, how often do you really take the time to listen, to quiet your mind? Because meditation takes practice. So, and a lot of people just don't want to do that. And that's fine. I also, I teach in my book and in my classes ways we can learn to communicate with our loved ones through signs. I call it spiritual sign language. And many people are familiar with getting a sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, a visitation is one, but a physical sign, like whether it's a rainbow or a favorite flower or bird, or smell of perfume. So I teach in my one of my classes is all the different ways our loved ones can give us signs to communicate and how you can set up a sign with them. And just, you know, we can do this two-way communication through signs or symbols. And we don't need a third party. You don't need a medium. You can do this yourself. You know, of course, you can go to a medium if you want to, but we all have this natural ability to communicate because we are spiritual beings, and it's just a natural part of us. Um, We pray. People don't think anything about praying. It's a very natural thing to do. People all over the world pray. Right. But they don't. When you're praying, you're using your telepathic ability to communicate to non-physical beings. 
we don't question prayer. A lot of people don't. They just pray. But scientifically, hard science, it wouldn't make sense to pray. Because, you know, you know, the telepathy isn't a part of hard science, what they call. Um, but we do it anyhow. Well, why are the religions? Why is it prayer? Because as spiritual beings, we understand that there's another part of us and that we can communicate with people in other dimensions. Such a good point, Mary Grace, just because we just take prayer so much for granted. And then, but that's precisely what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you a question when your mom came to you the first time, because I've had this for myself and then also other people have, like, it's different than just a regular dream. It just, it almost seems like it's like a dream you can really remember. And like, as it, as it was really happening, was that the experience when your mom visited and she was rocking you that it was like a like more vivid and more real than a dream. Mm-hmm. I, I tell you the difference between how, how to tell the difference between a dream mm-hmm. and a visitation. Um, there's, there's several different ways you can tell. Usually in a dream, you're watching this thing, like you're observing the scene, you're not interacting. It's like watching a movie. Okay. People pass by, you're watching it. In a visitation, there's usually interaction. There's, communication, either someone's talking, it could be shaking your hand, it could be hugging you. So that's, you know, a couple of different ways. There's interaction. The other thing is to tell the difference between a dream and and an actual visitation is often dreams we forget about several seconds after waking up. Oh, yeah. And in, in visitation, they are imprinted on our long-term memory because they're actual experience. And because of your experiencing a different type of reality, because of that, people can remember these visitations and recount them 10, 20 years later like it was, like it was, you know, remembering a, an event that happened to you in kindergarten because it's been printed in our long-term memory. And um, the other, there's a couple of signs also, things that may happen to you when you get a sign mm-hmm. from a loved one, whether it's. Uh, you know, we can talk a little bit later about how to set up a sign when you get, you know, you're looking at your uh, loved one's picture and it falls off the wall, for example. Right. You get a sign. Um, a couple things to look for. Usually you get a physical sign, and then at the same time you may feel a presence. And what I mean by feeling a presence is most people are familiar with if you're in a, a dark room or someone ever tried to sneak up on you uh-huh. and you felt someone hovering over you, what you're feeling is their electromagnetic being, your, their electromagnetic energy. You're feeling their aura. Okay. It's the same thing with spirits. They, they're electromagnetic beings, so you're feeling their energy. So when you feel a presence, you feel this energy around you, and you sometimes get tingly, and the hair on your arm might stand up, or you feel like the hair on the back of your, your neck stands up. And then you get what I call the just knowing and the just knowing is you get that physical sign it's from a loved one you think it is from them but you're not sure but they're on the other side shouting at you saying it's me it's me it's grandma or uncle joe whoever and that and that uh, message gets to you so loud and clear that you just know without a shadow of a doubt 
spirits from that particular person. And no one will be able to convince you otherwise. And then usually often um, the other thing to look for is you become very emotional. Depending mm-hmm. sometimes on the person's past, you may cry. It could be tears of joy, tears of sadness. But usually you're left with a sense of peace. And those are some different ways, and, you know, when you get a sign from a loved one, things to look out for. Yeah, you know, I can't help but ask. I, I've met a lot of people that are grieving, and they're praying for a sign. And I've met people that say they've never gotten a sign. Uh, even I met a gentleman not too long ago, and he says his dad had died two years ago. And he says, I've just, I keep asking him, show me a sign, show me a sign. And he hasn't come, he hasn't shown up. And, um, you know, one thing that comes to mind is in the beginning, you had talked about the importance of meditation and, you know, are we really quieting our mind? But what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's trying to get a sign from somebody? And can everybody who's passed away actually give us a sign? You know, I don't, I'd like to hear your ideas of heaven or the hereafter. And, you know, can everybody be in touch with us? What do you think about that? Um, I I believe so on one level, and if not directly, this is going to sound funny, because not everyone on the other side can communicate with people in the same way we can't always communicate with spirits. Sometimes they need a medium. Oh, that is funny, but cool. <laughs> so if they want to get assigned to us, if they can't get it directly, they might use your angels or your guides or spirit guide or another friend who, you know, they have to lower their level of vibration. We have to, uh, you know raise ours in order to communicate. But with signs, you don't need to do that. The, the beauty of the spiritual sign language and all these directions in the book, but I'm going to give you a very simple exercise okay. that anyone at home can do. And um, and I'm going to use you as a as a, the guinea pig, Sandra, so I'm going to ask you a few questions and this okay. is going to be example, okay? Yep. I want you to think of someone that uh, a loved one that's crossed over that you would like to get in touch with. My dad. Okay. And, oh. Okay, your dad. Now, tell me something about your dad. You got now when you're doing this at home. So we'll just think. You want to think of this person's favorite hobbies, interests, passions, things that they were really, really invested in in love. Now, could you give me an example of something that your dad really liked that represented him? Airplanes. He was an airline pilot. He loved everything about flying in airplanes. Okay, that's great. So, so was my dad. My dad was a pilot. Um, small plane. So, so now I'm going yeah. to get specific with you. You're going to think of something that re- represents that person, usually a hobby or interest. For you, um, your dad was airplanes. Now we're going to get more specific. Okay. What type of planes? You're talking commercial planes? Are you talking small planes? Well, he flew commercial planes, but he also flew small planes, and he had a little red biplane that he he gave me a ride in, and uh, we went upside down in it a couple years before he passed away. He had cancer as well, but like that's the image I keep getting in my mind of my dad with a big smile on his face, being able to do loops and rolls in his biplane. Wow, that's cool. So your so your sign from your dad is going to be a red biplane. Now, that's pretty specific, right? Right. <laughs> now, the thing when you're doing this exercise is the more specific, the better. For example, if someone like gardening, what do they like? Was it vegetable gardening or the flower gardening? If it was flowers, what particular flowers did they like? Okay. It's specific. Because then when you get this sign, you're going to know it's from your dad. Okay? So you're, what, 
this is simple exercise you can do. And by the way, my sign to my dad is a yellow Piper Cub because that's what he owned. Oh. <laughs> he had a big picture of it on his wall. And believe it or not, one day I was laying outside in the sun thinking of him and doesn't a yellow Piper Cub come flying over my head. Hey, so can anyhow, I, I, need to, I need to take a little break from what you're saying just to share a story I haven't thought of in a long time. The, okay. the moment came when my dad was in the hospital and we knew kind of what the future held and I had to come out about me searching about life after death. Dad went to Catholic Mass every single day and Mary Grace, I had such a fear of telling my dad that like I've done the medium courses and you know all this stuff that I've done and so I ended up telling him a bunch of my stories and you know he just looked at me with big brown eyes and like he was in shock and then all of a sudden I got this image in my head of a yellow piper cub and so I said to him I said to my dad I said dad um I don't know why I'm seeing this but I said I'm seeing a yellow piper cub with black lettering and he's looking at me and he says, anything else? I said, yeah. I said, there's a man that sounds like he's saying to tell you that you were wrong. I did get to take my toys with me. <laughs> and so I'm just going to make me cry. My dad burst into tears. And he said that was his friend. I can't think his name was Jim. And Jim had cancer. And my dad was a cancer survivor. And kept telling Jim, Jim, you can beat this, you can beat this, because you can't bring your toys with you. And Mary, that's the airplane this guy had, was the Yellow Piper Cub. Oh, my God. So, I think I'm going to take that as a sign for my dad right here, right yes. now. Yes. shared that story. But <laughs> that had my dad actually get it, that, like, this is real. And so my dad... As hard as it was to lose my dad and it was painful, his death and everything, there was something we shared that was so much more than just faith. It was just like a knowing that this is yeah. all real, you know, and that you can bring your toys with you. So that's why I had to take that little break and show that. Wow. You well, said, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. With me. I was just talking with my dad in spirit right before the show. Um yeah, so getting back to our exercise, it's so great. The more, you know, think of a loved one's hobby or interest, and the more specific, the better. And then what you're going to do is tonight while you're in bed, right before you go to sleep, I want you to, you know, close your eyes and say this person's name three times. I just, for me, it's something. Just say their name, their, you know, whether it's dad or use their formal name, whatever. Say it three times out loud and just say, yep. please, I really want to give me a sign. It doesn't have to be out loud. Right. You know, we'll next to you, you know, uh, Give me a sign, and I want it to be, and then fill in the blank. If for you, it's going to be a, um, a red, a red bipod. Yep. And um, and then look and look for the sign in the coming coming weeks, days, and weeks to come. Now you have to be open as to how you get the sign. It could be something you see on a billboard. It could be something on TV. Open a book. It's in a magazine. You actually see a red biplane fly overhead. Just be kind of open as to how it comes. Maybe somebody's talking about it. But then, as I tell people, with all that said and done, you might get a totally different sign. It has nothing to do with red biplane. <laughs> but 
it is something that you specifically connect with that person. Okay. Because is once you start becoming aware of all the of, of signs and looking for them, then you're going to be you're, you're opening yourself up to receive them. Now, in the book I, I talk about, and also there's many books out. out uh, one of the people that actually endorsed my book was Bill Guggenheim. He mm-hmm. wrote a book for Washington. Yep. And he talks about all the different uh, ways spirits can do with signs, whether they're rainbows and, or birds and nature, nature that acts out of the ordinary. Um, in, in my book, there's a whole list of different ways, and I teach a course uh, workshop called Spiritual Sign Language. So once you learn all the different ways that spirits can communicate with us, and you start becoming aware of it, then you're going to be more open and you're going to see things. Now, one of the things I want to mention is, now one of the signs, there's a whole story I'm not going to get into, but with my mom is a, a cardinal, because she uh, would come with the sign of a cardinal. And so... There's a story I share in the book about um, how Cardinal came to me on Mother's Day, and I just knew it was her because when she was dying of cancer, Cardinal used to crash itself into the window every day for like wow. a month. And then the day that she passed away, the Cardinal didn't come back. And two months later, I was um, finishing up a memorial garden for her. It was Mother's Day. And I sat on the bench and I presented the garden to to her. And I was like, Mom, I hope you like your, your garden, your Mother's Day present. And then a cardinal came and flew down and sat on this bench and on this branch above me and just started chirping away. And I just knew it was my mom, you know, and I was crying. I was very emotional. So anyhow, whenever I see a cardinal, I think of my mom. Now, not every cardinal I see, because I see cardinals every day. I uh-huh. see that every cardinal is a sign for my mom. But the important thing here is that whenever you get that sign, that you think of that person because the more you think of that person, the stronger your psychic connection with that person is, the stronger that relationship you keep, then the more you are, you know, the more open you are to getting that sign. So the stronger the psychic connection the more apt you are to get an after-death communication and the stronger the psychological connection. So when you, you know, start thinking about that person and thinking of signs and, you know, many people do memorials um, to stay connected. There's all kinds of things we do to stay connected with loved ones in heaven, whether we run a 5K race or we plant a bush in a garden or participate in a fundraiser that has something to do with them. And that's just one of many, many ways to keep that memory and relationship alive. And wow. the more that we do that, the more we'll be open to getting signs and knowing, you know, that they are with us as part of our life. And if you could just back up a little bit to the importance of meditation and being able to quiet our mind a little, because I'm, I'm a big believer that signs can come, but if we're too busy uh, worrying about something or, watching a movie or on our iPhones, texting away, we might miss it. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the physical signs are for that, are for uh, our busy lives. <laughs> okay. It's, like, it's for our busyness during day. When we can get the physical signs that 
something extraordinary happens that makes you stop and pay okay, attention good. during the day. All right. But the meditation, the medi- meditation is um, that's a way to to get more, you know, into a two. If you want more of a two way conversation, uh-huh. a communication, and also the more you meditate, will just naturally open up your psychic ability. Um, then just quiet, you know, meditate on a regular basis. And one of the easiest ways to have a, a two-way conversation with the person that you want to connect with is is with, with inspirational writing. And that's just going in your meditative state, you know, listen to quiet music, get in your alpha state. And with a pad and a paper, just, you know, write questions and, and see what, comes to your mind because it's the way the easiest way for spirits to communicate with us is one of the easiest ways and don't censor the information that you're getting you may be surprised the information that just starts flowing through you that you start giving into your thoughts so just let the pen flow whatever yeah yeah just start asking questions and just say do you have a message for me or this this issue is really bothering me. I need some help or whatever. Can you give me some advice? And just see what comes through. And it's the easiest way, one of the easiest ways to learn when you're starting out with two-way communication. Mm, and trust what you get. I think it'd probably mm-hmm. be easy to say, did I just make that up? Is that just me? Is that just wishful thinking? Right. <laughs> right? As opposed to just saying, let it go, keep writing. Because a lot of people think, Oh, it was just my imagination. Well, spirits communicate with us through images. In the same way we communicate with each other through images all the time, it's images. You know, when you see images on a commercial, someone is communicating something to you. So the word imagination comes from the word images. It gets a bad rap in our society because people think, well, imagination means you made it up, it's crazy, but it really comes from the text, the word image, and that's how we communicate with each other, and when we are in spirit all the time, and the easiest way for spirits, our loved ones, to communicate with us, they will put images in our head, and if you're in meditation, and you, you're meditating, and you get the image of a red biplane, you're going to know that's that person coming through. So sometimes maybe it's the inspirational writing, the thoughts don't come, maybe they'll be showing you pictures. Because everyone's gifted differently. Some people are more clairvoyant and they see things. Other people, like myself, I'm more clairaudient and hear things. So different people may, you know, they'll find out what works best for them. I had a a neat thing um, after Dad had passed away and I was super sad and I'm like, Dad, just let me know you're okay and you're still here. And I didn't know, I was kind of doing what we're talking about, but I, I just said, Dad, just give me a sign that you're here. And I took some deep breaths and I really tried to quiet my mind. And Mary, it was like I got a slideshow from my past of things mm-hmm. that I had done with my dad, but things like I would have never even remembered you know Uh not anything that I've thought about since I was that age a motorcycle ride with him um, I had uh, made him a pencil holder that looked like a um, a dice you know big die I guess is the word wouldn't die Uh, you know just these these snapshots of 
kind of like what from his perspective and so it was I like I really got it that he's here because that th- those were not things that I could have that fast put on my radar screen. Yeah, what I like to say is when I know I, I know I'm getting something from someone else when it I call when it comes out of left field. Hmm. It's like an image, something you wouldn't ever thought of on your own. Right. You know, give a message for somebody else or what it is. You know, you're just getting a message like why you know why would I think of that. Why would I all of a sudden did that pop into my head? Well, because somebody put it in there. And while your dad was showing you those images, he's like yelling at you saying, it's me, it's me, it's me. And one thing I want to add on to that little exercise you talked about, mm-hmm. and this is important. A lot of people would like to connect with somebody that passed away very early in life. Maybe they were only less than a month old a couple weeks old, maybe they weren't even born yet in the case of miscarriages. Uh I want to stress that you can still do the same exercise. You can still communicate um, with with these um, dear angels because it doesn't matter how old they were in this life. They are still, you know, spiritual beings and maybe more of an adult on the other side and can understand you. So when you want to communicate with, you know, it's like, how do you set up a sign with someone that doesn't have a favorite song or a favorite flower or a favorite author or whatever? That he hasn't lived long enough. Mm-hmm. So what, in that case, is you just pick your own passion. What is your favorite thing that you're involved in? What do you really like the most? And then, um, you know, for the example of your, your dad's claim, you would just say, I, you know... Say to that person, you know, say their name three times at bedtime when you're ready to go to sleep and say, I would like to, to get a sign from you and I would like the sign to be this and fill in the blank. And usually you know, collections and hobbies, you know, people that collect things, you know, I collect refrigerator magnets. I've had one person, one woman I went to who collected, you know, those porcelain dowels, those collectible dowels you see in and this woman was feeling very guilty when her mom died. She, you know, she just felt it was her, you know, mom shouldn't have died. It was her fault. And so I said, well, just, you know, give her, you know, ask your mom for a sign and you have something to do with dowels. And it was obvious. I know this woman's home and it was like just filled with these dowels all over the place. And I get a call from her, sure enough, a few days later, and she had this one dowel that was her favorite was turned around the other direction. Oh, wild. So, yeah, so that was confirmation that, you know, her mother giving her a sign that, no, it's okay, it wasn't your fault. This is what I tried to, to assure her. So these are the things that sometimes, they can be important. It might be a little sign, but it can be a big relief and a big help on the road to recovery, especially when people are, you know, sometimes people die with unresolved differences. Definitely, yeah type of thing and um and there's a lot of guilt that can be had with that that goes along with it which is one of the reasons why you know we can communicate with our loved ones a lot of times someone say they're dying in the hospital and they're unconscious and you can't talk with them or maybe they had a disability like dementia Uh and you can't you know really have a conversation with them before they die well, you can know that once they cross over, you can have that conversation. You can talk with them. 
and let them know how you feel. And even just writing it all out is very cathartic to write down your feelings and the things you wish you could have said. And know that while you're writing that and while you're communicating with them, they are getting that information because they no longer have those disabilities. Really, once, you know, really, we are the one with the disability. We are the ones that can't communicate. Two-way conversations telepathically with those on the other side. You're so funny. It's just saying we're the ones with the disability. It's like... Yeah, because yeah. I do. I really do believe that we're souls having this human experience, and when we do cross over, there's. I mean, we're just in tap with all of those gifts, but I think we still have them here. But like you said, we have the disability because either we don't remember or we're not practiced in them, and you know we've got time and space to deal with that things might not mm-hmm. happen in a blink of an eye. It might take a little longer, um, but that's very funny. We have the disability. Yeah, it's really just. You know, the beauty of it is you can communicate with your loved ones, even if it's one-way conversation. A lot of times people like to go to a favorite spot, like the grave site or a place where you like to go, like a park or wherever you like to go with that loved one, to, to get in touch with them and have that conversation or just talk to them, tell them how you feel. And the beauty of it is, is you can do it on their time. You don't have to, on your time, you don't have to wait until... You know, there's cell phone restrictions. You got to call after nine. You don't have right. to wait till you're in mood because being in heaven tends to put you in a good mood. You know, you don't have to worry about all these other restrictions that you do in this world. You can talk to them whenever you want, wherever you want. And the best part is like they're your own therapist, your own guardian angel, and you don't even get a bill afterwards. You can just tell them all your problems. Oh. <laughs> like, psychiatrist. That's so much fun. I want to uh, remind our listener that who we're talking to today is Mary Grace, and uh, she's got a website, giftsofgraceministry.org, where you can um, find out more about her. This interview is going to continue on, and as a a special gift at the end, um, Mary Grace has also had a near-death experience, and she's got a lot more value that she wants, well, we're going to add about her experiences and hear about her book, but if you're willing to stick around a little longer um, to the end and you know, if you've got the time, I, I really want to hear it firsthand about her near-death experience. So just know that that's coming uh, towards the end of the episode. But visit giftsofgraceministry.org. And also you can go to wedontdieradio.com. And um, she is episode number 53. You can see her beautiful face. And I'll have all the links to her book and to her website right there beneath her face. So back to you, uh, Mary. Um, where should we go from now? Do we talk about the book? We talk about your counseling. Well, what one, do you want to do? Well, there's one subject I need I need to cover real okay. briefly. No, it's, take um, your time. It, it, what is the communion of saints? Yes. I'm answer that question. Why would I write an entire book? What is it? What does it have to do with you know your dead relatives and everything? So basically, um, many people have heard of the. Prayer. I know you probably have standard called the Apostles' Creed. Yes. And in the and in that prayer, uh, we say, "I believe in the communion of saints." But a lot of people say it all the time and wonder, don't really think about what it really means. I know I didn't until I started doing research on the subject matter. Yeah, I, I never what, thought about it. Yeah, I never thought about it. Nope. <laughs> well, it's very important when it comes to you know 
after death communication, stay in touch with our loved ones. Um, basically, the communion of saints is the cosmology of the church. It's a uh, it's a Catholic Church doctrine that acknowledges the eternal relationships that exist between members of the church that live in three states, or I prefer to call dimensions. And these states or dimensions are called heaven, earth, and purgatory. Now, it's through this teaching that the church recognizes and encourages a relationship between the living and the dead. Mm-hmm. Now, the big thing here to know is saints are all believers, not just the canonized people. Because most people think of saints, we think of, you know, St. Anthony we pray to when we lost something, or, right. or the his mother. But the, the word saints, it actually goes back to Latin and Greek meaning holy. It just means holy people, comes from the word hagios. It refers to all people that are believers. And in the broadest sense, you know, anyone who believes in God, a God, a higher being, would be a member of the communion of saints. And Hmm. what doesn't really matter is its broadest interpretation, and it goes goes back to Judaism, goes back to the Old Testament, and, you know, there are Jewish saints. And it's the whole idea of a holy people being consecrated to a holy being, whether it's God or Jesus. Um, Jesus in the Christian faith, and God in the Jewish faith, and Allah and other religions. So the saints are all believers, whether they live in heaven or earth or purgatory. So if your grandma or your dad was a believer in higher being, he would be a member of the communion of saints. So there, there is this contradiction. If we're going to commune with the saints, there has to be communication. It's part of communion. Right. <laughs> it's also called, it's also referred to as spiritualism. So if you're going to, you know, it, it stands to reason that if you're going to believe in the communion of saints, you're going to practice communion or communication with the saints, and the only the only one that real the only people that would be excluded from the communion of saints would be people who don't believe in a God, or would be those that say practice Satanism or devil worshiping. Okay. So as long as you believe in a higher power, it doesn't matter what your religion, your faith, your, your sexual orientation, your culture. It, it's much broader than the Catholic Church. It's broader than Christianity. It's broader than all the religions in the world because it includes the whole universe. So that's one big thing to remember. So when we're talking about saints, it's it's a big concept, and it's also very foundational Mm -hmm. to Christianity. So I just wanted to get that. Do you have any questions about the advantage? No, it's just, it's, it's a breath of fresh air. And I, you know, I, let me just ask you a question that it just, veers off this a little bit because um, I, I want to hear more about your book but you're a good Catholic girl now talking about um, the paranormal how has that how have you found that to be in um, the religious groups that you belong to have you had priests that embrace it have you had uh, you know like how, how's that going for you or if or people thinking like you're a lunatic and i say that lovingly of course because you're my friend but (laughs) because i think 
bought me a good Catholic. I put good in quotes. Now, that was <laughs> the eye of the beholder in what position you're standing on. Well, there's a, the reason right? I ask is there's a lot of fear. I mean, there's a lot of us that have our faith, but we also believe, you know, that we're talking to grandma and we're talking to our spouse and whoever's passed away and we're afraid to share that in our religious faith you know we okay. just think people are gonna no. think we're crazy so how, how's well, it gone for you it's, it, yeah well the whole reason i wrote the book is to take the fear out of community, spirit communication and there are passages in the bible in the old testament that talk about not talking to medium you know not being a medium and not you know talking to spirits and everything but i addressed that all in, in the book because even in the Old Testament, it never forbids people from spirit communication. It only forbids certain people from doing that. And mainly, it was the pagans. It was the, the Jewish people of the time were living, uh, you know, with pagans. Uh-huh. And the Jewish, you know, leaders wanted to control who talked with God and, you know, who would pay attention to their religion. So people were going to the pagan mediums that... It was competition. It was all about competition. They wanted the people to go to the Jewish prophets. Mm-hmm. So and okay. one of the things I talk about in the book is, you know, science, religion, is saying the same things in these different words. So prophets were the Jewish mediums. Huh. And then you had the, the pagan mediums, and it was just, it was a, it had to do with competition of religions. It never had anything to do against spirit communication. Isn't and that in the, interesting? Wow. Yeah. In the New Testament, now, you know, if you're if you're Jewish, you go by Old Testament laws, even if it says don't, you know, go to a medium. But if you're Christian, you go by New Testament laws. In the New Testament, in the New Testament, there is nothing against spirit communication. In fact, in First Corinthians twelve, it talks about the gifts of the spirit and how we all have these different gifts, whether it's the gift of healing the gifts of prophesying, the gifts of discerning spirit, or speaking in tongues. And those are all just different words for, like, channeling, you know, speaking in tongues or interpreting tongues, and interpreting tongues can also be mediumship. So, you know, that's just one interesting thing, that there is those fears. I address those fears in the book, and I kind of really debunk some of the things in the Catholic Catholic Catechism of the Catholic Church has taken these um, scriptures from Old Testament and they actually put it in the Catholic law, even though it's not in the New Testament. And they have, uh, for, you know, but they, there's a lot of misconceptions and misinterpretations. For example, they equate spiritism with uh, Wicca, you know, witches mm-hmm. and devil worshippers and necromancers, and they and whether you're practicing astrology or numerology, they put it all in this one long paragraph in the Catholic Catechism and call it basically taboo. And they, and they don't really understand the terms that they're, they're telling you not to do because it's about everyone. If you, if you ever played a lottery or you went to bingo, you were practicing some of the things that they tell you not to do in the Catholic Church. Oh, <laughs> funny. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, that's a form of divination. So, But if you ever prayed the rosary, 
this is form of divination. You know, you're using you're using the beads to pray to non physical beings to ask for favors and guidance. It's right. another form of divination. So um, I do address the fears in the book, and like I say, it's in one of my favorite lines that I got. I think it was from a, a physicist called Lawrence Lashon is those who fear the power of evil do not understand the power of God in love. Because wow. the power of love is so much more. It's so much stronger. Do you have some priests that you've uh, shared this with? Your book? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I interviewed <laughs> priests and mediums for the book. Oh, very cool. Their, yeah. Um, to get their opinion on the, the communion of Spain. Mm-hmm. So I interviewed a lot of priests and mediums and some mystics. And also, I have examples in the lives of the saints and prophets and modern-day mystics about supernatural experiences that they had or clairvoyant psychic experiences that they've had. Yeah, when I, I don't remember the name of um, the, the priest. I had read such something on the Internet, and I, it just, like, I think, how do I put this? There's people that are old school, some of our older folks that um it's it's easy for us to believe what we know to be true what we grew up with and this is the way it is and it, and sometimes you know like when technology some of the new things came around it, it's hard for people to believe that they're real like how many grandparents aren't on the internet and you know things like that and so uh i had read whatever the article was about this priest who really was up on uh, the things that you're talking about uh, communicating with our loved ones and um, it was really nice it was just like yeah you know I mean this is 2015 now it's yeah you know we're not back in the days of the early Vatican and you know all that all that stuff you know and well this um, is yeah it's like you're taking laws that are you know 2,000 years old or you know, ideas that are hundreds of years old that, you know, date back to when they thought the earth was flat, you know, and you got to put in the light of the century that we're living in. And that's right. the important thing. And the other important thing I wanted to say about the way I wrote the book, because I did, I interviewed priests about the communion saints. They didn't know I was writing a book on spirit communication for Catholics. <laughs> 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 so, so they're more, more than eager to share. Um, but... Everything, the way I wrote the book is um, there's nothing in it that goes against the teachings of the Catholic Church. In fact, it was edited by four priests, a bishop, and a deacon. Wow. And those people's interviews are also throughout the book. But, you know, I, I have come across, you know, up against a lot of criticism, a lot of, you know, the reason I wrote the book is because of my experience in being excommunicated, which is part of my near-death experience story. And it was, you know, the whole reason for me writing the book. Um, so, I, you know, to me it was important to share that story and let other people know that, no, what you're doing is not wrong. It's not evil. And if you're clairvoyant, if you have psychic gifts, if you're a medium, you know, you shouldn't have to make a choice between your religion and your spiritual gifts. These are your God-given gifts. They're not gifts of the devil. You know, and it's important to know that. And for people to be comfortable in saying, and I tell people to 
people come to my classes and some of them come very fearful. They come along to friends and say, I don't know if I should be here. This is against my religion. And I say at the end, just tell people you are practicing spiritualism. You are practicing the communion of faith. It's all in the language. <laughs> it's the same thing. It is. It really is. Um, you, you brought up your near-death experience. This might be a good time, if you're willing to, to share that. Yes. And I know it's a, kind of a lengthy story, but I, I'm sure we'll have questions when that's done. But I'm, I'm just looking at the time, and I thought, for our mm-hmm. listener that um, can only be here for an hour, I thank you for being here. Um, and once again, we're talking to Mary Grace, and her website is giftsofgraceministry.org. And if you can hang out a little bit longer, or maybe pa- press the pause button and come back to listen to the rest of this uh, interview. Um, yeah, Mary's going to share with us the near-death experience that she had, and um, we'll get to find out a little bit more about why she believes that we don't die. So, Mary, how would you like to start uh, this part of the show? Well, I always start by telling people to get comfortable, get relaxed, get your cup of coffee or your drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll have a sip of water, and I'll give you the microphone. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to tell you, it's important to tell you the events that led up to my near-death experience so you can understand okay. how it changed, how much it changed my life afterwards. Okay. So, um the date was November 1st. It was All Saints Day when I hit bottom in life. I hit bottom because physically and mentally I was deteriorating. Physically, I was very sick with two incurable illnesses, lupus mm-hmm. and epilepsy. Oh, wow. For um, multifamily epilepsy, you have a seizure disorder. And the effects of my epilepsy, I had between 8 and 10 seizures a day. Mm. And for those who don't know what lupus is, it's an autoimmune disease in which you have an overactive immune system. I like to tell people it's the opposite of AIDS. So the effects of my lupus um, caused me to severe uh, chronic fatigue. I had to sleep between 10 15 hours a day. Um, a lot of pain with arthritis. The effects of lupus um, caused me to have side surgery and left a hole in my heart. So my body was slowly dying from an overactive immune system. At that time in my life, I had five doctors, and I was on 24 different medications. Physically, I was alive, Uh but I wasn't living. And I was dying, but I wasn't dead. Now, mentally, I was very depressed, still grieving the loss of my mother. It was about eight months after she died. And um, at the same time, I also, since the age of 14, had been addicted to drugs and alcohol. Hmm. So emotionally and spiritually, I was already dead. And to cope with it all, I just did more drugs and more alcohol on a daily basis. But one day, I just hit bottom, and I hid enough. I wanted to end the suffering. I just wanted the pain to stop, and I wanted to be home in heaven with my mother. Sure. So I I knew I had to do something. I didn't know what to do, and the only thing I could think to do was to... I drove to my mother's gravesite. I went to a cemetery in my mother's grave. And on that 
November 1st night. I got on my knees in my mother's chilly grave, and I begged God to take me home. I loathed living in such a cold, cruel, cruel world, and I just wanted the pain to stop. I thought God had abandoned me. I begged him to heal me or let me die, just to have mercy on me. I got very angry at God, and most people are familiar with this. I just started saying, why me, Lord? Why me? Why do I continue to live? Take me home or heal me. I beg you, just put an end to my suffering. Have you no mercy? And I said to him, just shit or get off the pot, God. Make up your damn mind. Either wow. Heal me or take me home. Okay. Because I just can't take it anymore. And why have I been cursed with these diseases and losing my mom? And why me? Why me? Why is all this happening to me? I just couldn't understand it. And then I moved into making a deal with God. Have you ever made a deal with God, Sandra? <laughs> Yes, but you... <laughs> I think well, most people are familiar with that. <laughs> yeah. So I to deal with that. God, give me a sign that you have not abandoned me, and I will quit drinking. That's what I'll do. I'll quit drinking. That's all I would commit to at that point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, the next day, well, I, it wasn't just before that. It was, um, I made this deal with, with God, and then I was just, at my mother's gravesite, and just after what seemed like hours of talking to myself and sobbing and crying, I was just emotionally, mentally, and physically exhausted. Mm-hmm. I just I admitted defeat and I went home. Right, nothing's happening. Well, it was the next day that I got my sign. God, and what happened? The next day, I had my near-death experience, and I'm going to tell you the events that led up to that. So what happened, now this was November 2nd, all full day. I got up the next day and I decided that I would go into the city. When I call the city, I referred to Rochester, New York, because mm-hmm. I was about 45 miles south of there. Um, I decided I'm going to go in the city and I'm going to buy more drugs. And while I'm in there, I'm going to go to Borders Bookstore to get this book by um, John Edwards called One Last Time. And... So I got in my car and I drove to the city and I got a bag of cocaine and it was my drug of choice and I put it in the console of my car and then I went to a nearby liquor store and I put it under the front seat of my car and I was driving down 390 when I got my sign. Now 390 is the interstate like expressway that goes around Rochester. Okay. So I'm driving my car, and many people are familiar with the feeling you get when you hear a song, whether you hear that song in church or on the radio or whatever, and it seems to speak solely to you, and the words of that song are the exact words that you need to hear at that moment in your life. I know that very clearly, yep. Well, I'm listening to the radio, I'm driving down the expressway, and I hear this song come out of the 
the radio. It was one I was very familiar with, but I hadn't heard in probably 20 years. And the song was by the 80s rock group called The Sticks. Mm-hmm. And the song was called Why Me? So the words that spoke to my broken spirit were these. Hard times come and hard times go. And in between you hope and pray the scars don't show. Life is strange but so unsure. In days you hardly make it through. You swear that there's a curse on you and nothing seems to fit. Things don't go your way. You know you've had enough. You've had the right to say, why me? Why me? Why me? The words that I was begging to God the night before in that cemetery. He was now saying back to me, I just knew this was my sign from God. And as I heard these words, I just started crying with joy and relief, saying, God, thank you, thank you. You have not abandoned me. Thank you for this sign. I just knew this was it. And at the same time, I felt something happening to me as I felt an electrical shock go through my body. It was as if I was struck by the proverbial lightning bolt of God. But the strange thing is that there was no pain. I later on learned that what I was happening to me at that moment was cardiac arrest. Wow. So happy. I was driving down the road, and I'm just so happy to get my sign from God. I didn't know what was going on. And I was right near my exit for Borders Bookstore. And uh, so I got, I managed to get the car off the road, and the bookstore was right there near the exit. So I pulled into the parking lot of Borders, as I always say, God rest your soul. I used to love Borders Bookstore. And um, mm-hmm. I pulled into the parking lot, and um, parked the car, and I noticed the time on the clock. It was 5.15 p.m. And I just shut the car off, and I put my head back on the, against the headrest. And I'm still crying, saying, thank you, God, thank you, thank you for giving me a sign. And the next thing I know, I'm floating up. You know, into this beautiful, most incredible light. And as I reached this this holy site, I felt like I was immersed in a force of love that permeated every cell of my body. This love not only enveloped me, but became me as we merged into one. And this was unlike any level of devotion I had ever experienced on earth. It was a million times more intense. And as I'm in this light, in this love, of peace, and tranquility settled within me 
I was free of all earthly and bodily cares. Mm-hmm. All it just vanished. It was gone. And I felt like I was just being wrapped in a downfield comforter. And it was like being doted on, on a, by a grandmother and being tucked into bed. And as I was there, I just relaxed in a total state of surrender. I understood that I was being taken care of now and being reassured once again that everything was going to be all right. Wow. I was very profound. I'm just I'm I visualizing was, it as you speak, so that's why I'm not saying much. <laughs> that, that's great. I I was just I was there to rest and to heal. I was being taken care of. And as I relaxed in that total state of surrender, I recognized this light. And I recognized this place I was in. I was with my Creator, my Father in Heaven. And I was home. And this light made me feel like I was the most important person in the universe. And that nothing would ever change that. This light, God, just reminded me that I was his child no matter what. There were no conditions, there were no ifs, ands, or buts. Just Pure, unconditional love, a love that was inseparable for me. Condemnation and punishment did not and could not exist in the realm of this all-encompassing light and love. I was not there to be judged. I was there to be comforted and held. My life back on earth became a distant dream. I knew any sins that I'd ever committed were already forgiven. And then what happened next was I moved into, I guess what people call a life review. Uh-huh. And I'm not going to go into all the details of that, but just to understand that I was, I was shown things from my life and not only how I affected other people, but they affected me. And with that, I was, I had total comprehension as to why all the things happened in my life. Wow. People that I thought were unkind to me, I understood were only helping me in my spiritual progression in my life mission on earth. And I understood that all the suffering and insanity of my life on earth had a purpose. And after the life review, I was back in the light. And God communicated to me without any spoken words. He Uh said, I did all that you asked of me. I gave you a sign that I had not abandoned you. And I brought you back home. 
You cannot stay, however. You must return. Your work is not yet finished. And with that, I responded with my thought that I was, I was okay with that decision. I just knew that it was the right thing to do. And, and that there was nothing that I wouldn't do for anyone that loved me that much. And with that thought, I felt the light pulling away from me, and I felt myself being pulled backward. And then I realized I'm back sitting in my car in the parking lot of Borders Bookstore in Rochester, New York. And I realized as soon as I'm back in that car, I was, I had this total, I was in total state of euphoria. Uh I was so high, and this was better than any drug that I'd ever taken. It was a million times better than any drug. I was on such a high. I felt like I could conquer the world. I felt fantastic. It felt great. And then I'm, I'm trying to process what had just happened to me. And I looked at my watch, and I saw that it was 6 o'clock. 45 minutes had passed since I parked the car. Ironically, I stated out loud, Wow, what the hell just happened to me? Apparently, heaven had just happened to me, but I didn't know it at the time. And I just, you know, I'm sitting there and just, you know, trying to process it all. And then, and then reality starts to sink in. And I started remembering something about a promise I made the night before when I was on my mom's grave. So I reached into the console of the car and I took out the bag of cocaine and I reached underneath the front seat and I pulled out the bottle of whiskey. I quickly did the math in my head. I've been drinking and doing drugs for over 27 years. Oh my gosh. I looked at these things and I said, this is not going to be easy. But a promise was a promise. But at the same time, as I looked at the drugs and, and the booms, it was like all of a sudden it didn't mean anything to me anymore. I had no desire to do them. These things looked like penny candy in my hand because the high that I was experiencing at that moment was a million times better than the high I ever got from these drugs. So they just all of a sudden, they just didn't mean anything to me. And my life had revolved around those drugs and alcohol. So the next thing um, I did, I kind of checked myself over. And I thought, well, geez, I feel like I'm, I'm okay. I feel great. And then I'm here in the bookstore. I might as well get the book that I came for. <laughs> so I opened the car door. And I stepped out into the parking lot. Now, I got to tell you, Sandra, the world that I, where I, the world I stepped into 
at that moment in time was not the world that I had left behind 45 minutes earlier. Right. It changed. Everything was different. The first thing I noticed was that I uh, went to walk across the parking lot to the bookstore, but it wasn't like I walked. It was like I floated. So I float into the bookstore, and I'm looking around at all the other customers, and all of a sudden I hear this overwhelming sense of love for everybody. And I just wanted to run up to people and give them a big hug and tell them how much I loved them and how much God loved them and how everything was going to be all right. Well, fortunately, I restrained myself from doing that. But it was only with time that I understood how much my life had changed the day I saw the light. Wow. Now, if I have time, I can talk about a couple, some of the after effects of that. Yeah, I would think we begin to wrap it up just looking at the at the time okay. now um and it's not because you're not fascinating but i think just for listening for quite a while it um will well i can just say you know my, you know it's near death experience is a shift in consciousness you know you understand and, and experience being one with everything and having this overwhelming sense of love for everybody and you know, some of the things, I, well, the biggest effect was that immediately I started feeling stronger and have a lot of energy in the coming weeks and everything of that experience. But, yeah, I started being able to not, you know, I didn't have any pain anymore. And I decided to go to my doctor's because my seizures immediately stopped that day. I no longer had any seizures. Really? And, and uh, I had all this energy. It was like uh, my energy was going through the wow. roof. Miles a day where before I could hardly get out of bed. So I went to all my, five of my doctors and I got checked out. I had new EEGs of my heart mm -hmm. and EEGs of my brain and EKG of my heart. Stress tests and anti-nuclear antibody tests for lupus. And all my... Uh, all my tests came back negative, and even the hole in my heart was gone. So over the course of the next few months, I tapered off all 24 medications and was completely um, healed of two incurable illnesses, lupus and epilepsy. Oh, my gosh. And I also kept my bargain with God, and I was drug and alcohol-free. Now, the biggest effect of uh, all this was that you know, integration was very difficult, and I was living in two worlds. You know, mm -hmm. I just wanted to spend time in meditation and with God, and I knew I needed help, So, I, and I didn't know who to go to, so I went to the one person I thought could trust and understand, and I went to my priest, and I told him all that happened to me, my after-death communication with my mother and my near-death experience, and, and uh, he just told me that everything was, probably due to hallucinations from being on drugs. So huh. he said, what I'm doing, uh, communicating with my mother was evil. 
it was against the teachings of the church, and that I would have to find another church to go to. And um, I was I was devastated. And I, at first, I refused, and I continued to go to mass that next week. But then the next day, a police officer showed up at my workplace and said. I ordered this priest I was not to set foot on church property ever again. And if I did, I would be arrested for trespassing. Oh, my gosh. I was legally excommunicated from my church for talking to my mother in heaven, who was a devout Catholic and went to Mass every Sunday, almost every holy day. So I had this burning question. If we can talk to God and the saints in heaven, why can't we talk to Grandma in heaven? Right. And that was... Um, became my mission to find out the answer to that and then to write about my story in my book, um, The Communion of Saints, Talking to God and Grandma. In the book, I just briefly say it's in three parts. Part one is details about my story, my, from my mom and my MDE. And part two is the educational part where I, uh, talk about parapsychology and how it relates to religion, Christian theology, spiritualism, and mysticism. And then part three is your self-help guide, step-by-step instructions on how to communicate with loved ones in heaven, along with a lot of examples in guided meditation. So, um, and then since that, I started my own counseling service to help other people who have had paranormal, supernatural, mystical and your death experiences, and I also uh, go wherever in the country or the world to uh, share my experience or teach workshops on the paranormal and mysticism and spiritualism, and all the workshops and information are available on my website, giftsofgraceministry.org. Wow, 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 wow. I didn't see it coming with you having the miracle healing and then the priest saying what he did and doing what he did. And it's just, you know, whether you're a religious figure, like a priest or a human being, we all are human beings and we, we do the best we can with what we know. And so I'm sure that priest was doing the best he thought he knew, but Mary Grace, I really want to acknowledge you and thank you for all the work that you've done to bridge this gap because there are so many people who consider themselves religious and of faith but also deep in their heart know that they can talk to grandma or whomever and that it's very real so thank you from for all from all of us for bridging this gap and I'm very excited to read your book um and and to have that kind of as a, a tool in my tool belt that when I experience people that say, oh, no, no, you can't be talking to dead people, <laughs> being a Catholic, <laughs> oh, yes, I can, <laughs> and really help people because I think that's important. And I think um, with what you're sharing, there will be less fear for people to share their mm-hmm. beliefs, knowing that it really isn't going against their religion. And But for us all to realize, whether it's our parents, whether it's a priest, whether it's, um, you know, someone older or someone who's got real beliefs in something, it's, it's not up for us to change someone's beliefs. It's up 
it to us to have the best life possible with what we've learned, um, growing, learning from our experiences. And Mary Grace, I, I loved what you shared about your near-death experience, that you got to see how every bit of pain and every person that sh has shown up in your life, good or bad, really has been essential for you being the person you are now. And I think mm -hmm. it, it takes faith for some of us who are going through some really, really tough times right now, um, whether you're grieving the loss of a loved one. I mean, that is the most painful thing I think ever uh, or whatever you're dealing with. But just if you can maybe um, change your perception and just ask, what if, you know, what if there really is something for me to learn out of this, you know, and knowing and trusting that this life isn't it. There's something even more. So Mary Grace, thanks again. Thank you so much for. Well, thank you so much, Sandra, for having me. I just been a joy and pleasure meeting you and, and talking with you. Uh, oh, very you... nice. And I'm so grateful. You too. And I, I look forward to meeting you face to face and giving you a big hug because you're just, you're really <laughs> great and you're a great storyteller and, um, and it's all true. I, I just love it. And thank you for also the, the good you do with other people because i i've been on your website you are a giver and you you coach people you um give workshops you go anywhere you do whatever it takes and um again that's gifts of grace ministry.org or visit we don't die radio and uh, not only can you see and listen to mary grace's episode but we've now had 53 episodes and 40,000 downloads which I'm, wow, that's great. Uh, yeah, it's incredible. So um, also to you, our listener, thank you. Um, I know some of the episodes are really extraordinary, and um, some of them I've gotten reviews that they wish they could have fast-forwarded. And you, you know what? We're all human beings, and I think everyone wants to share and, and make a difference. And if you know of somebody or you yourself have had an experience uh, and believe that we don't die and just want to share, um, please visit the website, we don't die radio.com send me an email and and let's talk you know because I think we're all up to the same purpose and um, making a difference and and so we all have better lives while we're here on earth so again a thank you to Mary Grace um, my name is Sandra Champlain I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important so remember the words of, of Mary Grace and really Let's try to put things in perspective. We may not understand, but certainly, wow, miracles are possible. You are important, and this life is for you. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.